You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I got Uriah and Chris here, and Uriah is going to introduce a very special guest. I would say for certain, this man is the biggest name that we've ever had on this podcast. And I will give Uriah the honor of introducing this great man. Go ahead, Uriah. Yeah, to all the Sixers, Sense fans and followers, we are in for a treat. Check this out. In the history of the Sixers franchise, there have only been approximately 25 head coaches. Tonight, we have one of those coaches who walked the sidelines of the spectrum and he coached one of the greatest Sixers, Charles Barkley. You've seen him on NBC Sports Philly before and after games, providing insight and game analysis. It is my honor and my privilege to welcome Coach Jimmy Lynham. How you doing, Coach? How you doing, fellas? Doing great. And we're so honored to have you on here, Coach. Well, thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to uh to a chat about uh, NBA basketball and specifically the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're also very excited. And we can just jump right in with some questions about you, Coach. Obviously, you spent several decades coaching in the NBA, around the NBA. Just give us the broad strokes. How would you describe your experience in the league? Uh, well, uh, I think I would have to say that it's uh, – and I think most NBA coaches would, would – ascribe to the, um, the similar feelings, I guess I would say, uh, that, that it, it's with good fortune that you're able to work in this league. It, you know, it's a great way, those of us who enjoy coaching, per se, uh, to have an opportunity to work with, with the best of the best in terms of the players. And I might say, uh, this is just my personal opinion, and to coach against the best of the best. You know, the NBA coaching fraternity uh, is an elite group. Uh, you know, when you compete against these guys on a on a nightly basis, you know, you're challenged at the ultimate level. And to be able to do that, you know, for a career, uh, I, I really I consider myself very, very fortunate. And it, you get that opportunity uh, almost without exception with the help of like some really, really good people. Uh, in my particular case, uh, my specific mentor, and dear friend, uh, the fellow who I played for in college, uh, Hall of Fame coach Jack Ramsey, now since uh, deceased, but uh, you know, just was a huge part of, of my life from 
when I was, uh, you know, a young person offered me a scholarship. I played for him at St. Joe's and, you know, on and on. And he really gave me the opportunity to get into the NBA fold. And then I was able to go from there. You said coaching against the best, the best. Who was the, the hardest coach to plan against in the NBA when you were coaching then? Yeah, I'm not sure you can um, quantify to that degree. You know, like obviously it would be like a knee jerk answer. Somebody could say Phil Jackson, who's certainly one of the, you know, the best that ever walked the sidelines. And he has the proof of the pudding, you know, on both hands, meaning Mm -hmm. 10 championship rings. But somebody like, I'm just going to pick a name, a Don Nelson. I don't know if Don Nelson ever won an NBA championship, uh, but that he was one of the top coaches in the NBA over the course of his career. You can take that to the bank. Uh, I, I, I say about Don Nelson, one of the real innovators in the NBA. A lot of the things that teams still do to this day, uh, the seed of thought came uh, from the mind of Don Nelson. So you can't, uh, there's a lot of uh, personal preference involved. A lot of people, you know, like different styles. Uh, certainly numbers do do matter. You know, people who win a lot of games every year, it doesn't happen by accident. Uh, you know, there's an old John Wooden saying, uh, you know, when you, let's, let's take for a second Bill Jackson. When he was in Chicago winning championships, he had Michael and Scottie Pippen. He goes over to L.A., he has Shaq. And Kobe Bryant. Uh, so, so you know, somebody, uh, you, you, let's say, with a casual, a casual observer could say, "Wow, no wonder he won so many championships." He had, you know, these are all those great players. And an old John Wooden line, the ex UCLA coach who won ten NCAA championships over the course of twelve seasons, 10, mm-hmm. 10 out of twelve. And he used to say, "I used to go to some of his clinics because I was a big fan." And John Wooden used to say at the end of his clinic, uh, that gentleman, he said, I'd just like to mention, he said that I've been kind of the subject of some criticism of all the great players I had. And he said, I'd just like to say that nobody wins championships without great players. And he would pause a second and then add, however, not everyone with great players wins championships. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sums it up for me, that thought. In that uh, there's a lot of great coaches out there, really outstanding coaches who have not won championships. They haven't maybe had quite enough talent. And if you're a discerning eye, you could pick the guys that, you know, kind of more the cream floats to the top, the guys who are in that upper echelon. Now, Coach, when it comes to your career, you, you coach many, many years, even as an assistant. There's so many great players that you've coached, and it just so happened that me personally, I grew up during an era when you were coaching the Sixers in the early 90s, and I remember players like Andre Turner, Scotty Brooks coming off the bench, Derek Smith, Ron Anderson, and you know those are great memories for me, but we want to know from you, what would you say was the most memorable year coaching in the NBA? Wow. Uh, well, let me first say that uh, obviously you were a Sixer fan. I'm just two of those names you mentioned. Well, more than two. Andre Turner. I just used Andre Turner's name, believe it or not, within the last uh, week, I'm going to say. Wow. Okay. And I, don't have to, I won't go into the specifics, but it was with respect to talking to a player um, uh, who was debating, has a decision to make mm-hmm. with respect. Young, young fella just coming out of college 
does he take advantage of a European opportunity or does he kind of wait and he's hoping to get a G League opportunity, which I think he'll get. Mm-hmm. But he has, you know, one in hand worth one in the bush. And it's a tough choice for a young player. And I actually used two guys. <laughs> Brian Oliver was the one from Georgia Tech. Yeah. And the other was Andre Turner. Wow. And both of those fellas opted. And I think maybe, again, this is my opinion, partly with influence of agent. And mm-hmm. I'm not bashing agents and saying I'm just stating a statement of fact. They both went overseas never to play in the NBA again, mm-hmm. both of whom would have made my team. Right. And when you do, when you can't offer somebody a guaranteed contract, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that that's the proof of the pudding. But uh, it's interesting you when you bring up names like that. Uh, with respect to your specific question, I really uh, do you have certain teams that, you know, you as time goes on, uh, maybe the memories you have a fondness for the team because the memories are you know, just so so glaring, you know, like it's almost like despite time going by, you still have like a some kind of an image of these players or a certain setting, whether it be a, a snowstorm in an airport where you were stranded for 18 hours or, or a, some significant thing on the court of a game winning or a, a series, whatever. Uh, so I, I, I really, I have one team maybe that would, that would fall a little bit in that category, but I have to be honest and tell you that I, I love going in that into that gym every day. Yeah. And, and I can honestly tell you, I, I've had some teams that weren't real successful, but I've never had a job I didn't enjoy. And the challenge was always, you know, if you weren't doing well, you got to try to do better. And sometimes I didn't meet that challenge. And as a result, you know, sometimes you lose your job. I I'd, I'd probably the Barkley team with Rick Mahorn and Mike Jaminski, Derek Smith was on that team. Scotty Brooks, you named some of those players. Uh, yeah, that was when you played the Bulls. I think you went, you lost. Yeah, yeah we played the Bulls back to back years uh, oh. in the playoffs. Uh, and and I will say that Derek Smith did not play. And believe me, you know, Derek Smith was a very, very good NBA player. Yeah. Hey guys, as summer is almost over, the weather is getting cooler, but you still have to handle your trimming needs. Let me remind you that Manscaped can easily handle this for you. Grooming gets easier and safer with the Lawn Mower 4.0 and Weed Whacker. The Lawn Mower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and is even waterproof. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin safe technology. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Trim upstairs or downstairs using Manscaped products today. And get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. Uh, at one point in his career, before we had him here in Philly, because I coached him when I was the head coach of the Clippers, and after I got fired from the Clippers, we picked Derek, a friend of mine, kind of laid Derek on my doorstep. He had failed his first year. He had played on Louisville's national championship team, was, I think, a second-round draft pick by the Golden State Warriors, who cut him after one year. They saw him as a that bulk up as a power forward. 
And this friend of mine asked me to take a look. And long story short, I, I said to Derek, you know, they may have seen you as a power forward. I see you as a big two guard. Mm -hmm. uh, he had ball skills and he could shoot. Derek Smith was a special player in this sense when we're talking about the Sixers playing against the Chicago Bulls and Michael. Derek Smith is one of the few players that literally really got Michael Jordan's attention. Mm. You know, Derek was a monster athlete. He was a big, strong guy. And he was, a, his nickname was Joe Rock, uh, oh, given to him by Norman Nixon yeah. from the LA Lakers. Oh. And that pretty much described who Derek was. He took a back step to no one, Michael included. And Michael knew that. So whatever <laughs> shot we had, and I thought we did, by the way, I, our team was very good, obviously led by Charles Barkley. And uh, we needed Derek Smith to be able to go out there and, you know, play some portion of the game, 20, 25 minutes, like beating up a bit on Michael, which he was capable of doing. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Coach Lineman. And last quick question about yourself here. What do you enjoy the most about working as an analyst for NBC sports Philly now that you're retired as a coach? Yeah, I can give you an easy answer. And uh, unfortunately, what has happened, this pandemic has uh, filtered some of the real pleasure for me. Uh, because really, the, obviously, you know, two years ago, the season abruptly stopped. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you had the bubble situation, which was down in Disney World. So, you know, certainly no, no TV people down there. You did everything remotely. And then last year, teams back in their buildings but i want to tell you that it was a, a form of a bubble no access you know for people like myself so what what that in effect did that that two-year period it kept me from being able to, to do what i enjoy most about the job as an analyst do i enjoy watching the games and offering a thought as to you know what's going on or why such a team wins or loses sure i do it i like that a lot but my really first pleasure is the interaction I have with players and coaches down on the floor before the games. And when I say that that bubble wrap was still pretty intense, you know, we had no access to any of that last season. And my, my concern and my fear going forward is uh, you might see a repeat this coming season with the way these numbers are uh, currently trending. For sure, coach. And I, I, myself personally, I'm being affected at my job. The, you know, there was an exposure. Now I'm under quarantine waiting to see if I have it or not. So there you go. Yep. It's, right. it's, and I work in the public school system. So it's, it's not easy for sure. Right. Now nobody's um, immune to this. Uh, you yeah. know, it's a, it, it's a real scourge for sure. But let's go ahead and switch gears now. We're going to talk more about the current state of the Sixers. And my first question for you is this, coach. What do you make about the Ben Simmons situation? And do you think the Sixers will trade him for a star like Damian Lillard? Speculative on, on my part. I honestly don't know. I'm not sure anybody outside of the top Sixer brass, meaning Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, uh, Josh Harris ownership, David Blitzer, uh, know, know what their intention is. Uh, would they do that deal? The, 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 the name you just mentioned, Damian Lillard. Not, I'd say if if Lillard were available, and it were essentially a one for one deal, I think they'd give that strong consideration. I and I, Lillard, I think, is viewed not just by 
the 76ers, but by the NBA community, and I think by NBA fandom in general, media included, you know, as a really special talent. I mean, and he is, and, you know, you can rank them, do what you want, but don't, don't, don't debate whether Damian Lillard is a special talent. And, you know, like a lot of players, Charles Barkley being one of them, uh, Lillard has not won a championship. And the last, whatever, his coach, who was, I think, a terrific coach, Terry Stott's his name, mm-hmm. uh, probably five-year coach in Portland. And I would put Terry Stott among, like, let's say, the top 10 uh, coaches in the NBA. Uh, he just lost his job because they, I think they only got out of the first round once in the last five years. Sometimes there's a, a, a difficulty in assessing, you know, obviously you, if, if you're going to trade Ben Simmons, we know Simmons has all-star talent. That's a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also know Simmons has a flaw in his, in his overall game. So it's difficult sometimes when one says, well, I want equal value. Well, that's a very subjective thing. Uh, you know, the, the value you get for a player is what somebody's willing to give you back for him. That's it. Whether that's fair or not is beside the point. Uh, but I, I would say that would be I'd be hard pressed to, to argue that w- is that ballpark fair value if you wanted to trade Ben Simmons is Damian Lillard ballpark fair value I, and my answer would be without question now whether the Sixers would opt to do it my guess yeah I think they would strongly consider it but I don't think Damian Lillard is leaving the state of art that's me hmm. yeah and that's a fair point. And if follow-up question, this isn't on the agenda, but you brought up, you know, Ben Simmons limitation. If you were coaching Ben Simmons, how would you approach that limitation and how would you work with him to improve it or to make it a strength instead of a weakness? I've said from day one, if I, I think you guys will agree with this. If you don't feel free to, to offer a thought, but from, from the beginning, I mean, it's always been uh, out there that one of the weaknesses in Ben's game is his shooting. Agreed. He's a monster athlete. This guy is six feet, 10 plus, uh, you know, jumps over the basket, runs like a deer, handles the ball with the best of them, is beyond a good passer. Special, special, special. Take all the passers in the history of the NBA you got to put this guy in that class. So what he does really well is like off the charts. And let me add, kind of parenthetically, that when he first came into the league, I mean, you knew he had potential to be a top, top defender. Well, guess what? That potential has been more than realized. Every night out, this guy is one of the top five defenders in the NBA. And it's a very natural thing. I'm a big football. I'm more of a football fan than a basketball fan, to be honest with you. I watch way more football than I do basketball. Basketball is my job. Football is my hobby. All right. When you play the sport of football, you're a specialist if you're a defender. In the sport of basketball, if you're on the court, you play defense 50% of the time you're there. So, therefore, if somebody is one of the top defenders in the league, that counts. You can't be dismissive of that because 50% of your game, like you could take a guy that scores 30 points and can't guard his shadow. Okay. Well, guess what? Then his overall strength as a player is diminished. And for some, some way people don't quite get that now in Ben's case. So we were talking about this huge guy who's got point guard skills, whether you want to play him at the point or not, that's your call, but don't argue the fact that he has point guard skills. Brett Brown, 
was the first one to say to me, we we're having lunch one summer before, I don't know if it was Ben's first season or not. I think it was. And he looked up and we're talking this, that he's asking a question. He's all, I'm asking a question. And he says, Ben came up. He said, what's your reaction if I tell you I'm going to play Ben at the point? And I, I remember I said, wow, that was my reaction. And it wasn't like I got fell off the chair. Uh, it was like, there ain't a whole lot of people suggesting that and good for you. I mean, good for you. Have the courage of your convictions. And I happen to think that's his position. Now let's get back to your question. What would I do if I were the coach? I never subscribed to the conversation about his three point shooting. I could care less if he ever shot a three. Okay. He could, he could bang threes off his head for all I care. <laughs> what Ben Simmons has to do. He doesn't need to pull up jumper. What he needs is the ability to make a foul shot. That's yes. what he needs. Mm-hmm. Because what happens if you're not like trying to get fouled, the great players in this league, that they try to do that. They try to get fouled. Of course, it's a free shot. Ben is 180 degrees. That's called polar opposite. He does not want to go to the foul line. Why would he? Because he's not comfortable there. He can't make foul shots at the rate you have to make them, particularly in late NBA game situations. So it affects every offensive thing he does, particularly late game. So what would I try to do as a coach? I would I would have some kind of a plan to try, and I'm not the guy to do it, by the way. As a head coach, I always had a shooting person, a shooting coach. Ben Simmons needs a shooting coach. Has he worked with people with his shooting? Yes, he has. You ready? Unfortunately, I'm just going to say this. Either Ben is incapable of learning or he didn't have the right teacher. They're the only two possibilities, period. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, I certainly think the free throws are more important than the threes at this point. Um, so I'm, I'm happy we're on the same page there. But let, let's talk about some of the other offseason moves that Philly has made potentially around Ben Simmons. Um, obviously, they've made some signings to the bench, Andre Drummond, George Niang, and then the big re-signings were Danny Green and Furkan Korkmaz. After the Sixers came up short last year, Coach, what are your thoughts about the offseason so far? Uh, I think the roster is very good. Uh, I thought the roster was very good last year. Come on, they were the top team in the East, uh, number one seed going into the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, again, uh, feel free to argue, but to say that that roster last year or the roster this year with the changes. Now, again, you know, Simmons is still this, this murky figure. We have no idea how he plays into this, whether he does or he doesn't, or if he's replaced, replaced by home. So I'm operating right now from the base that Simmons is here. And my guess is that he will be here to start the season. Now, whether he's here at the end of the season, that's another question. But that roster with Ben Simmons is a roster that's able to legitimately contend for a championship. There's no doubt about that. And obviously, it starts with Joel Embiid, who, uh, yes, the joker, uh, Nikolai Jokic was, uh, Jokic rather, was the rightly so the MVP in the league, but I mean, Joel Embiid does not take a back step uh, as, as gifted as Jokic is at the offensive end. And he is Joe to me is right there with him. But at the other end of the court, it's not even close. 
Agreed. In terms of the ability of the two to impact the game at the defensive end. So when you have start your, you know, looking at your team and you have Joel Embiid in the middle, who's as good as he is at both ends of the floor, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty nice hub around which, you know, you're going to try to form a contender. And then you look at the talents that we've already talked about with Ben. And I think they've done a lot of good things, like going back to last summer and, you know, Drummond move, for instance. Uh, I mean, the fact Dwight Howard gave the Sixers a terrific year, just like he gave the L.A. Lakers the previous year in winning a championship, a terrific year. Uh, but I do like Andre Drummond, so that, that's a good substitute. But it, the, the question would be, do, do you think last year's team was a legitimate contender? If you answer yes to that, then you think this year's team is a legitimate contender and you have to solve the Ben problem. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the Sixers, they'll take steps one way or the other, whether he's here or not, in, in addressing that problem. Uh, meaning if Ben is here, I think they'll, he'll be a better player. And again, you have to, I don't mean to be a wise guy, but sometimes I, I say, and I would say this right to the player, you do understand if you're a Ben Simmons you're a Charles Barkley. It's not about what happens on February 25th against pick your team. Sacramento is coming in. You follow me? No, we can take care of that one. That's not the issue. The issue is June, mid-June. That's when we need the Ben Simmons and the Charles to come to the surface. We can't do it, guys, without you guys then. We need you at your best. That's why you're paid the way you're paid. That's you got you're you're that good. You can't vanish that time of year, please. Yeah, yeah. Now, coach, you yeah. you mentioned you mentioned Joel Embiid. I'm glad you did. He happens to be my favorite player. I'm, I'm astounded of, of how much he's grown. He hasn't been playing basketball more than nine years, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. It is astounding, by the way. Yeah, he played for those that wouldn't know. I know that's we're going to be ballpark till age fourteen. This guy played like soccer yeah. it was like his main pursuit. Somebody suggested that he go to, I think it was a, uh, what's that? I, I used to uh, go. Luke Maha. Basketball without uh, borders. Yeah. 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 Uh, right, exactly. Uh, so come on, that, that this guy uh, who was a soccer player, basically, uh, soccer and volleyball, I think. Yeah. Two real soccer and volleyball. Passions. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, guess what? Maybe we. Maybe we're training young people to play the sport of basketball in the wrong manner. If, yeah. if Joel Embiid for, for his early years didn't touch a ball, but, you know, worked on those kind of physical skills. But, yeah, it, it's an astounding story. Yeah. So, Coach, you coached during a time when there were some great centers. We're talking about Patrick Ewing, obviously Hakeem Olajuwon. My question to you is this. Is Joel Embiid, is he the most skilled big man that NBA has ever seen? Yeah, I think you can say that. I really do. Uh, I've had num a number of conversations with Sonny Hill, who's a, you know, a, as good a historian of the NBA as there is, and a, a dear friend. And you know, Wilt was always his guy. And one day, uh, early on in Joe's career, I'm talking his first season, maybe about I don't know, two three months in, Sonny and I were down on the sideline, and <laughs> I said, "The blue, we're just standing watching," and Joel was. There was another six or two on the court, maybe. But I remember a number of coaches and basically Joe working in the basket area pregame. And I bumped Sonny in the shoulder. I said, 
They said, my man, I said, you, you, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. And he, he didn't say anything. He just turned and looked at me with like a side glance. I said, you see that big fell out there? I said, here's a prediction. When it's all said and done, they're going to be talking about him with the same superlatives that they talk about your man. And he kind of turned away. He started nodding. He's looking out in the court, kind of looking at Joe. And he's nodding up and down. And he turned back and he looked at me with that side glance. And he said, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> wow. And I thought that summed it up. That answers your question, I think. Yeah. That, yeah the answer is yes. Uh, as like I, when I was a young fella, I literally, it was, I mean, I couldn't get off out of the blocks like soon enough to get the convention hall. Well, to see Wilt versus yeah. Bill Russell. That was my, wow. you know, that, that was the best of the best. And and back then, because they had, what, I don't know, eight or 10, whatever, 12 teams, it probably was eight. You know, they played seemingly every couple of weeks. Yeah. And you saw battle after battle, and I never forgot them. And, uh, but the fact of the matter, if you talk about skills set of mm -hmm. big men, and obviously guys who played in different eras didn't have the benefit of a lot of the training and coaching and techniques that are prevalent in the current time. So I have no problem saying that Joel is as skilled as any big person that ever played this sport. And he has the gift of being such an incredible shooter. Yeah. Uh, coach side note, uh, you brought up Bill Russell. I actually wrote on him for my senior thesis um, and doing a lot of research. I found out a lot about Wilt's personal life as well. So I just, I found it fun that you brought that up. Yeah, well, here, you know, you, we don't have to get into like the specifics of Will, but all you have to do is open a record book. And I would say this, you go, you get the sport, maybe Tiger Woods in golf uh, or Jack Nicklaus in golf. There aren't many people that can come close. There have been a lot of great players in different sports, obviously, but there aren't many players who have dominated a sport for a period of time that he did the way Chamberlain did. I mean, think about it. He averaged 50 points a game for a season, 50 yeah. points a game. Mm -hmm. And you could, I mean, I watched it and they could say all they want. John Chaney, rest his soul, who was a good friend and loved Wilt, grew up with him. And he, one night with Sonny Hill had thrown a, a monster tribute to Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain well after Wilt was finished playing. And John Chaney got up at the podium. He was like the, Last speaker, I was next to last. John was last, and it must have been like 1:40 in the morning. By the time this whole dais of, of speakers had finished praising Chamberlain and John Cheney, he was very brief and succinct. But what he said is, and, and Chamberlain sitting right beside him, he said, "You see this big fella right here, and that's what we call him, big fella." Which they did, by the way. He said, "The big fella." He said, "I'm going to tell you why he's the best." of all time for all sports. That's what John Cheney said on the dais. He said, you ready? Because a number of rule changes because of him. Nobody else in the history of sport, and you could, you could document that, has ever had so many rules changed that governed the game because of their presence was a fact. I'll give you just one. You ready? He was going to be, before his sophomore year at Kansas, Rumor, like you're hearing these rumors. They, they're doing this out-of-bounds thing with Will. Preseason, no games. They were throwing the ball under the basket. Your ball, out-of-bounds under the basket. Kansas ball. They were putting Will right in front of the rim and throwing the ball over the top of the backboard. 
wow. undefendable. It's like if they have the ball out of bounds, automatic dunk. How's that even legal? That's they, funny. They changed the rule before the season started. Uh, they never saw him do it. It was a rumor. Wow. Yes. True story. Um, just to wrap things up, obviously, Coach uh, Mark Zumoff, well-earned retirement this summer. And now someone is going to have to fill those shoes as the next play-by-play announcer in Philadelphia. They're quite big shoes to fill. Uh, do you have any names in mind as far as who might be able to take his spot? Wow. Uh, I've heard a number of names. Uh, and let me echo what you said about Mark uh, as good as it gets, uh, you know, going all the way back to when I was coaching, uh, Mark was doing his thing. He's a dear friend. And uh, I would you know, just think he's, you know, one of the best at what he did. Uh, but I, you know, it's uh, the beat goes on. And there are, I'll just say that a number of the names that I've heard, uh, I have a high regard for. I'm a fan of. And I think that, uh, that NBCSP will make, you know, a real good decision. You'll get a, a really quality person uh, jumping in to fill the void that Mark leaves. All right. Well, coach, we really appreciate you coming on and, and thanks for putting up with all the technical ins and outs and the different platforms, but, but we really appreciate the time that you gave us. No, nah, no problem. Uh, my pleasure. Enjoyed it. And I hope I was able to contribute to, you know, in a manner in which uh, you guys, uh, you know, find uh, will be, you know, beneficial to you and, you know, that your the folks that listen to your podcast will enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again, Coach. Um, we, we really do appreciate it. And as always, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Six Your Sense podcast. You can like, subscribe, comment on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen. Um, that would really help us out. You can also go to our website at thesixersense.com and follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. And until later in the week, when we are back, have a good one, everyone. We will talk to you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.